the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. It's Monday night right here on AM 1170 KCBQ. And I'm always honored and thrilled to share an hour with you all out there. And you guys are the best and most supportive friends and family that a gal could have out there on Facebook and also on Twitter at The Andrea K Show. Not The Andrea K Show, just at Andrea K Show. And I got to give a shout out to everybody out there because I maxed out on my friends on my Facebook um, profile page. And so I put the word out to everybody to like my fan page. And I'm actually now over 500 likes on my fan page. I'm super excited. I know that's not exactly like what some of the peeps on Fox News have, but I'm getting there. So I just want to give a shout out of love to you all out there. And thank you so much for tuning in. I'm also always honored to share this hour every week with none other than DJ Carrot Sticks, Engineer Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, DJ. And also, yeah, getting down, baby. And always, of course, I love sharing this hour with my partner in crime, none other than Alicia Dern calling in all the way from St. Louis. Hey, Louis. Hey. Now, rumor has it you're going to be actually live in the studio with us here soon. Is that true? Or are you still lying to me? Because you've been telling me that now for a long time. I know. No, it's it's actually true. I'm coming. I've got plans. I'm going to have plane tickets and everything. All right. Because you know what? It's not good for attorneys, officers of the court to be like telling fibs, right? Y'all are supposed it's to be not, truthful. It's not. I think a lot of people think that we do it all. We do lie all the time, but uh, uh-huh. we, we're supposed to not. We're supposed to be truthful. Well, now that Johnny Cochran's <laughs> no longer with us, maybe maybe all the officers of the courts are honest. And speaking of Alicia Dern, we have a special guest in the studio who's related to Alicia in a sense. She actually works with Alicia, and she's Alicia's media guru. And she is none other than Aubrey Russell, who, when she came in the studio tonight. Um, Todd brought out a headset and she was like, what, you expect me to talk tonight? And Todd's like, you can at least say hi. Absolutely. Hello. (laughs) Anything you want to say to your employee here, Alicia? Hi, Aubrey. Hi. (laughs) Your pictures with Andrea are really cute. You need to throw them up on the Facebook. Okay. I put them up on mine and Insta. But uh, yeah, we need to get your Instagram going. You have followers, but no posts. I don't know how that's even possible. Yeah. Alicia's employee cracking the whip on her. I love it. Hey, speaking of cracking, to keep me honest. <laughs> well, right. Um, speaking of cracking the whip, you know, we've been talking about we've report, been reporting here for a, a little while about the summer of crime. You know, it's just been it's been rampant in terms of political crime and just you know crime out on the streets with American citizens. We've had crime going on with illegal aliens. 
And, you know, just it's just been crazy crime. I mean, the murder rate's been exploding in Baltimore and all around the nation, actually. And so as as I was prepping to do the show tonight, actually, a friend of mine who's going to be calling in the show in a little bit. And you, you I'm sure you remember him, Alicia. It's Steph Watts, who's a crime reporter for CNN, who's done yes. so many r- reports. I mean, he launched Nancy Grace on HLN and he does so many shows on Discovery uh, Investigation Discovery Channel and crime stories. He actually is going to call in and he said that what's been concerning him is the politics of crime. And the light bulb went off over my head. Thank you, Steph, for helping me create my monologue because I got to thinking about how every story that I was going to report on tonight has a politicization. What's the right word I'm looking for, Alicia? It's been politicized. Every crime story has been politicized. Everything has become politicized in our world today in, in a way that it wasn't even 10 years ago. Uh, let alone 20 or 30 years ago. And I got to thinking about um, the crime spree that is Hillary Clinton. You know, and I'm not even just talking about the corruption going on with her email scandal. I'm talking going all the way back to the 70s in which she was originally fired from the Watergate uh, case. And now that wasn't necessarily because of criminal charges against her. It had to do with ethics and lying. But, you know, her corruption goes back at least to the to the 70s. And certainly, you know, at the start of her career, I mean, that's really when she started being Bonnie to Bubba's Clyde. Right. I mean, she has been his hitman. I mean, the way she's politicized the crime and corruption is long even before her email, even, not even her own political career. Alicia, that's when she was like the hitman and the cleaner. For Bill, I mean, you look at the Monica Lewinsky situation. What did she do? She immediately went out there. She was the cleaner for that. She launched attack after attack against every woman that made any allegation of sexual harassment and sexual assault against him. She went out there and blamed the vast right wing conspiracy. So she's been politicizing crime uh, for for Bill and then for herself. I mean, what happened in terms of being a a cleaner? You think about her crimes and Obama's crimes after Benghazi. What's the first thing she did? But she politicized it. They came out after four Americans died. That was a crime against them, as well as the crime against the American people in terms of the, the gun running operation uh, to the terrorist over there. What did she do? She immediately came out and politicized it and blamed the First Amendment in a dopey video. And, and it has continued to this day to try to claim uh, that, that they didn't launch a cover up, which, which we know to be true. Um, and, and now talking about the emails. Uh, She's been taking a page from Obama in terms of how he's politicized the crimes. It is criminal, absolutely criminal what they've done with the IRS, Alicia, in which they have given information uh, to different agencies in in an attempt to uh, put the jackboot of tyranny and to silence political opposition. And what did they do with that as well as Fast and Furious and what uh, what. Uh, Hillary has done is Stonewall. Stonewall and the best defense is a good offense. Like when she went out in front of the the Senate subcommittee and said, oh, start screaming at them in the Benghazi hearings. Oh, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a whole lot of difference, doesn't it, Alicia? When you are an elected official and you're committing crimes against the Mm -hmm. American people, it makes a hell of a lot of difference. And she's not been been held to account for it. Neither is anybody else. You know, and and to mention the completely callous attitude towards lost American lives. Oh, what difference does it make? Well, four people were murdered, so don't you think it makes some kind of difference to their families? Absolutely. And then look at how she's politicizing uh, the Planned Parenthood crimes that have been caught on video. I know so many people that are even pro-choice who are saying, hey, wait a second. When we're talking about, 
you know, eight month gestational children being, you know, having heads now being being shipped. There needs to be some federal investigation in regards to crimes. It is a criminal statute. You are, cannot sell. You cannot adjust the abortion procedure and then sell children's parts. It is literally against the law. And what is she doing to politicize it? She's coming out and saying that anybody who is against Planned Parenthood in any way or even launching an investigation, she's making us out to be like terrorists. Meanwhile, the terrorists who were toss, who were tossing gay people off of roofs, they're getting defended and they're getting a pass. So that's how that politici- politici- politicization. Aubrey needs to look that word up for me to help me figure out the, the tense on that one. That's your job over there, Aubrey. Politicization. Politicization. Okay. Then there's the crimes that are being committed, like in Baltimore, where, you know, they're being encouraged. That's, that was all for politics when she came out and said, we got to give them space. You know, to go out and run amok. And and we found out later, Alicia, that they were actually targeting Asian-owned businesses for political reasons because they were resentful against that community. Uh, We know that uh, the Michael Brown and Trayvon Martins, they they were considered victims in light in spite of the evidence of the crimes that they were committed. And it was all for political reasons. You look at this Black Lives Matter movement. That's about elevating one class, one skin color of people over, of, over others, strictly for political reasons. It's considered hate speech now, Alicia, to even say all lives matter. That's how politicized. I think I got the tense right. That's how politicized this situation is. And 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 that is all about this this false narrative about for political reasons to act as though every police department is running around gunning down black people on the streets and all every bit of that was for political reasons that is absolutely not supported it wasn't supported in the michael brown case freddie gray case trayvon martin case although that wasn't it was a you know daytime cop jim george zimmerman this has not been supported uh with the facts uh and you look about the black on black crime well, where's the, the politicizing of that going on there? Nobody's even talking about that, Alicia, because they don't care. It doesn't further their politics to talk about some nine-year-old little girl being gunned down, you know, in some drive-by shooting in Ferguson, not far from you. That doesn't serve any political purpose, so they, they're not even bothering to do that. And then we're going to talk a little bit later about this, this uh, prep school rape um, story because there's this whole crime narrative going on about this war on women in order to you know support the first woman president candidacy going on. So they've had to come up with some false narrative to, to act as though we've got some rape culture going on just rampant across every college campus to the to the point to where they've got Rolling Stone making false rape charges against whole fraternities and destroying lives. Talk about politicizing crime. I mean, let's just go out and destroy lives just to push a narrative. And then we've got the crimes about Ill- going on with these illegals that have been, you know, sent back many, many, many times with it, it being given protection and being put out on the streets from sanctuary cities, all for political reasons. We even had Lincoln Chafee out on the news the other day on MSNBC who just who basically admitted, yeah, they want them all here because they want their votes. So, you know what? They don't care. That's why, you know, Steinley's family didn't get a call. But a delegation of people went to Michael Brown's funeral because it's all about politics, Alicia. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I look at, you know, this whole thing about hate crimes legislation where you've got the DOJ. The second you've got any any white person pull a trigger and a black person dies, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. You're going to have Loretta Lynch or the DOJ sending down people down there and launch a, a hate crime legislation, which to me is so racist because every life matters, Alicia. And I don't care what the color is of the person who died. They're no more precious or no more important than the color of the skin of anybody else. I mean, didn't everybody who lost lost a kid or a loved one 
suffer just as much as anybody else? Why do we even have hate crimes legislation? It's ridiculous. It's because it's about politics. It's about supporting a narrative. And to me, since every bit of this is all about politics and it's all about the left trumping up narratives, identifying this group over here as a victim and this group over here as the perpetrator, it's all meant to gain power for them. And to me, that is the worst of all hate crimes because there's nothing, and you've got to agree with me on this, Miss Libertarian, there is nothing more hateful to me than an oppressive government meant to control every aspect of our lives. And that, to me, is what the ultimate political game is in every one of these stories and all of the politicizing of the crimes. Do you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do agree. Uh, You know, I want to tell you a real real quick story. We uh, have a a neighbor in our second house. We bought a second house a while ago, and um, he's a police officer. Actually, he's Puerto Rican, not white. Um, he might be the only Puerto Rican in all of St. Louis. We don't have a real big Hispanic community here. And uh, he was telling us that how he was working in his shop because he owns a motorbike shop uh, in his off time. And people came in and robbed him and shot him because they knew he was a police officer. Mm. And so, you know, um, I mean, he's recovering now. Uh, but, you know, he holds the story, and I just thought, all this time, I worry about uh, the police being over-militarized. But, you know, here in St. Louis, we've had this, uh, a lot of um, violence now against police officers. Mm-hmm. And it's getting worse, and it's because of, I think, this narrative. You know, instead of us talking about how we can heal our communities, right. we're talking about let's hate the police officers. And now here an innocent person has been assaulted seriously just for doing his job. And then I can see why they're afraid. Absolutely. And why they want to be armed. Yeah. And um, actually, you know, I talked about Steph at the top of the top of the hour. He's the one who gave me this idea to do uh, my open about the politicizing of of crimes. And, you know, when when the murders, the assassination, really, of those assassinations of those reporters that happened in Virginia, when that happened, he was one of the first one to come out and say that he had a completely different perspective on the whole thing. And so, Steph Watts, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. It's always an honor and a pleasure to have you on my show. Thank you so much. Oh, Steph. Todd, what's up? Do we have Steph? All right. Well, well, Steph had a different take on the fact that uh, these reporters were killed in Virginia. Of course, um, he's right that there was immediately the politicizing of it. You know, you could you could literally count the seconds, Alicia, before that story came out where we had the push for gun control. And so that's one aspect in which, you know, crimes are automatically just politicized. Uh, meanwhile, you know, I, I think I posted on, on Facebook as the second that people started pushing for gun control for that. I posted an article out of out of um, Britain, I think it was. or um, No, it wasn't Britain. It was somewhere in a P.F. Chang's, you know, where we've got a chef who stabbed to death, you know, a co-worker or something. What are we going to do? You know, just start pulling knives off the shelves. I mean, you know, it's not about the tool. That's not what these things are about. But it's like <laughs> I mean, every other in the kitchen without a knife. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like every other way that these crime stories are politicized. That's one of the ways in which that one was. But Steph, you had another perspective uh, about um, these crimes, in particular, the ones with the reporters down in Virginia. Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show, baby. Hey, I appreciate you having me. You know, Andrea, this story, of all the stories that I covered, and I wasn't actually assigned to this story, affected me personally more than anything has in 20 years of this business. You know, Allison and Adam out there in the field every day, that was me. That was every other reporter. And, you know, this case wasn't about race, okay? It wasn't about gun control. And that's where they've taken the conversation. 
This case is about a mentally disturbed individual who had, you know, some sort of personal vendetta against these other two individuals. The case is that simple. Not every murder has to fit a political agenda. You know, every time there's a murder happens in this country, people with an agenda try to figure how to make it how to make it work to their advantage. And I find particularly in a time that should be mourned, it's disgraceful. I'm not, you know, condemning her father. But the conversation right now should not be about gun control. It's it's not what it's about. He purchased this nine millimeter glass legally in the state of Virginia and there was no record of him having any reason to not purchase that gun. The only indication that he was any issues was some internal investigation into him at his company that he was forced to do some kind of counseling. So what now, Andrew? Are we going to send every person in this country that's in counseling on some sort of government list to not buy a gun? Well, that's 95% of the counseling of this country, including me and maybe including you. I don't know. But, you know, so where do we stop? I mean, where, where, where does this end? I, I feel like they put the cart before the horse. The issue here was this man was mentally disturbed. It's not a gun control issue. Well, I agree with you, although although I will tell you stuff that there's 23 pages um, that ABC received that has not been released. Uh, we only have excerpts. But to me, uh, reading some read, just reading the excerpts, I mean, clearly the guy was he was just he was just mentally ill. He was a crazy guy, but there was not enough. It's like you said, there was not enough to justify, um, you know, keeping him from being able to to buy guns. But when he talks about the excerpts about, you know, killing his cats mm-hmm. and stuff, I mean, that was Jeffrey Dahmer kind of stuff, you yeah, know, and and, and, and and the same thing with and I'll say the same thing about Dylan Roof in, in Charleston, mm-hmm. just because there was a picture of him with a Confederate flag meant that, oh, it was strictly a race situation. I mean, mm-hmm. it's partly it's human nature. Partly human nature tells us that we always want to know why when you know what? There's not always a convenient, clear cut answer. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And oftentimes right. to me, Liberalism, not to get too, again, here I go politicizing it, but oftentimes, you know, I think idealistic people want to have a a nice, clean, neat little answer for the why, because then they think that they they can maybe come up with a solution when, you know what, there's just evil in the world, Steph, and sometimes there's just evil people do evil things, and you can't prevent it. You just can't. Yeah. No, I agree with you, and we, you know... Trying to politicize this or make it a race issue or make it a gun issue. You know, the media is partially responsible for this, and I'm going to call it my own people because that sells tabloids, that sells the cover of the magazines, that gets people to watch Fox News and CNN. You know, ooh, scary black men, ooh, scary guns, gun control, we're going to get shot. Like, you know, that, that kind of behavior has to stop. And what's really frustrating for me is to see the front page of the papers here in New York City, the Daily News, where now they've gone into the history of this, of the killer. He was gay. He was a prostitute. He's like, who cares? Yeah, what does that have to do with it? That doesn't have anything to do with anything. I don't care who he did and when he did it. You know, I I don't care. One one question I have, though, is that that Charles Krauthammer, who was a psychiatrist before he became a political uh, pundit, he says that back in the 70s, we had a system in America to where we were more able to get the mentally ill taken off the streets and committed. And we kind of stopped the ability to do that. I'm torn on that because while I do think that maybe we can make the streets a little bit safer, who should have the right to go around and tell somebody else that they're not mentally, you know, um, a, a mentally coherent enough to be able to be a member of society. So to me... And my, res- my response to you on that is this. 
where were the people that were closest to this person in his life? Mm-hmm. I took ill not too long ago. My family rushed to my bedside. They made sure I was okay. What's going on with you? What do you need? Where were this friend? Where were the people that said, you know what, maybe there's something wrong with this guy? Nobody close to him was conscious enough to say, there's a problem here. Maybe we need to do something. That's yeah, what you're right. really disturbs me. Yeah, the, the guy was out of work for two years. I don't, I, how has he been paying his bills? Who, who, who was, he had to have had interactions with people in his community. Somebody's been paying his bills because the guy has been living and driving a car, and he was able to you know, go and rent a car, which meant he was able to have a credit card. How has the guy been living? So, you know, he, he, he was existing within a community, and you're right. Where was, every, where was his friends and his family and his associates as a part of this? And we do need to get back to something that will and I talked about, I think it was on last week or maybe the weeks before show, Alicia, where we talked about community and, you know, that we need to get back to that sense of community. And that's where we'll find more accountability for individuals as well. That's where the support is. And that's where the accountability should be as well. You know, there have been instances to where parents have turned. I think there was a um, a school shooting that was that was um, foiled because a parent saw some signs from their kid last year sometime and turned his kid in. And it's like, God bless that parent for doing that. That had to have been like a really incredibly difficult thing to do. But we need more of that. Anything else you want to say about crimes and what's going on? Maybe about what happened in Texas, Steph, before we got to go? You know, this is is just a a situation of, again, we have an expression here in New York, so we're always on high alert. If you see something, say something. If something doesn't seem right, report it. They're not going to think you're crazy. You know, say something. And my concern with this particular case, Andrea, particularly with the uploading online, it's copycat crimes. I'm really mm. concerned that this is set now a new precedent for what we're going to see in the, the crime world, and, and it scares me, quite frankly. I agree with you there. In fact, Pat Lalama, I think it was, who I'm Facebook friends with, she had said a couple of years ago she was no longer going to even give the name out to anybody who does any type of these, you know, crazy you know, for, you know, publicity types of crimes, because, I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why they do it is for infamy. And then we get the copycats because then the other people want want to go out in that same blaze of glory. So, you know, I think that's one of the things that maybe, you know, if we hold if we withhold the names of um, underage girls because they're, you know, victims of, of sex crimes, why don't we why don't we have a policy in the media to withhold the names of people who do this so that we don't reward them? And therefore, we don't end up maybe with the copycat crimes. That's a good idea. Right. And by, by this video being loaded up online, Andrew, we've just pushed ourselves a little bit farther into the reality television world. Now we've seen a murder. You know, CNN kept mm-hmm. saying, we're only going to show this once. You're only going to show this once this five minutes because you just said that 15 minutes ago. <laughs> now you're showing it again. We're right. only going to show this once. Do you know how many times they said we're only going to show this once? Why? Because it rated. And yeah. that's what's really sad about this world. That is sad. And you know what? I, I would not post that. I did not post it on my Facebook. I did not retweet it because I just really, you know, I, I just thought it was barbaric and heinous that this was posted. And so, um, you know, thank you so much for calling in, Steph. Any final thoughts yeah, before sure. you go? Anything you want to talk about with the Texas? We had a we had a, um, a policeman gunned down in Texas. Anything you want you to know, share on that? Again, it's, it's, it's you know, <sighs> It's a frustrating situation. Again, it's another random situation where a person of color has, has absorbed all this stuff from the media and all this hatred and took it out of this particular individual who had no personal vendetta against him. There was nothing that we, you know, there, it was random and, and uncalled for. And, I, you know, I'm a big pro 
uh, law enforcement person. Most of my friends are in law enforcement. You know, we see these isolated incidents because they're great videos online. And, yes, there needs to be some sensitivity training, and there is some issues. We've all got issues. Everybody has issues in their job. Uh, it, it was a horrific you know, another horrible story that, you know, again, is forced down our throats and we have to look at this and we have to face this issue and it becomes politicized again. Mm-hmm. It's another gun control issue. Mm-hmm. It's another race issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my thoughts really want to go out to Allison and Adam. These are two people who did the same thing I did. They yeah. were doing a live shot where you're super focused and somebody snuck up on them and took their lives for no reason. And my hearts are with Allison and Adam. Mine too, and my heart is is with the dad as well. And you know, exactly. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be insensitive. Uh, you know, there, there's so many with, with, with the officer that was gunned down. As well. No, you no, you're not being insensitive. Your point was correct about him him with the gun control, but but I do my my heart goes out to everybody affected and all their friends and family because to you know. Yeah, they were doing their job, and somebody snuck up on them and did it on air, and that's how the family had to see it. You know, yeah, that- and I just want to add quickly, I know you have a lot of time, but, I, you know, I'm coming from Canada, I'm Canadian. I, you know, I grew up with guns. I'm not anti-gun. I was taught to respect guns. If you handled that gun, Auntie, you handled it with the utmost respect. I didn't point it at you. I, we were, that gun was like royalty to us, mm-hmm. and that's what people need to be taught. It's not, it's not the guns. It's the people that are handling the guns that are the problem. Absolutely. And and I want to make one point before we let you go, Steph, that, that Peggy has mentioned here on Facebook. There also, when you think about so many of these crimes that have happened with the mentally ill, there's also been a history of prescri- prescription drugs associated. Mm-hmm. We got to take a look at a society, at these at some of these drugs like Prozac and some of these antidepressant drugs that seem to be a factor in so many of these types of killings. So, and, and I just want to add this point. You say people say gun control. It's like saying drug control. I live in Harlem, and not any disrespect to Harlem. If I wanted to, I could probably walk out the street and within four hours figure out how to get a gun illegally mm-hmm. up here or any part of New York or any, probably any part of the country if we were smart enough. So, you know, there's, there's the underground illegal world that, that is, is it, you know, needs to be part of this conversation as well. All right. Absolutely true. Hey, Steph, thanks so much for calling in. No problem. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back... We're going to maybe shift gears. We maybe take it up the road a little bit up to La La. Speaking of crazy people, it's always crazy up in Hollywood. And Della B is always going deep, deep, deep undercover to find out what's happening up there. Hey, you're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Monday morning. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Miramar Kitchen and Bath. 
Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. You faithful Andrea K Show listeners, you know what that music means. That means it's Della. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. How's it going? Where you been, Della? Where you been? Where have I been? I've been traveling. Yeah, any place exciting? Or you just been in the underbelly of Lala? Well, the you know I, I I had to meet up with some peeps and you know it was you know uh, some birthday stuff going on and you know it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. All right. Well, what you got Fireworks. to report on tonight? Well, you know we, we it, it it's it's the Monday after the VMAs, music and MTV's video music awards. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of buzz about it. Mm-hmm. And you hearing about Miley Cyrus and you know, she's all like nasty. What? And <laughs> in which fact, is why she was hired. Yeah, well, you know? of course. But I, you think of her and you think of VDAs instead of v- the VDAs. Yeah. She's, she's apparently the hostess with the mostest, the mostest times anybody's ever flashed a crotch at an audience. I mean, she's. I, she does it so poorly. I, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, you can you can be sexy and you can be you know a little bit raunchy, but there's just something so low rent about the way she does yeah. it. Has it's anybody ever referred aggravating. to her as sexy? I don't well, see I'm, that. I'm, I'm not. I'm I, not hearing I, that. In fact, I, I heard. Well, I, I heard a good theory on Twitter that you might appreciate, Della. I heard the theory is that she's actually doing Christian performance art meant to scare off. Young people from from actually <laughs> wanting to have sex. <laughs> In that wow. case, I think she might be successful because there's. I, if I was a young guy, I would literally. It would be the equivalent of a cold shower. Okay, because I just think there's absolutely nothing appealing about her whatsoever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, well, you know, she she especially had, her, she, her talent. Oh, she. Well, you know, I, I, her voice is great. I don't get it. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I, I, she was a cute kid that did a thing, and I don't know why she. Anybody pays attention. So, but this 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 story uh, that I don't understand about the VMAs that nobody is talking about mm-hmm. is Bieber having the flock of seagulls guy's hairdo. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Now, some of my listeners are actually younger than the age of of forty. So, for they, those you know, for those who don't know who the Flock of Seagulls were, they were a one hit wonder band from the eighties. Okay, Google it, and you'll get her joke, and you'll laugh yourself they, sick. Okay. So he he sang this he this this guy the singer. He's playing a keyboard and it's going around in a circle with some mirrors and he's singing this this style that was like very monotone and I ran I ran so far away. <laughs> Todd's gonna have to pull up that song for us. Classic, it's classic. There it is. <laughs> You know, it's actually a good song. The, the song is better than the hair. The song's better than the hair. All right. Oh, my land. So that's that. And then you had uh, Nicki Minaj, who was so... 
Who? Irate because she didn't get like video of the award on some other thing, and so she went on a rant, and then Taylor Swift got involved, and then they they made up. And Katie Taylor Perry, Swift is like the nicest Miley person in Hollywood. Was that like real, uh, or was that just like some made up kind of rivalry? Oh uh, no, I I think it was real. It's because Nikki, when she got her award this at the, this year's thing for her video Anaconda, she then proceeds to to tell Miley uh, and back to you B I T C H and they had to cut her uh, her microphone and then she was still ranting and the thing was it ain't fake she oh. she's scary oh okay. she was scary so well, she, that, that was that was interesting and then Kanye he got the Michael Jackson award and it was going to be you know delivered to him by Taylor Swift who the Michael Jackson award for for what for having a freaky video, face did he get plastic video something okay. video oh you know video the Vanguard the video Vanguard award <laughs> Michael Jackson as if Kanye ever did anything that came to the level of a Michael Jackson right. Right. video. Right. I mean, Michael Jackson gonna... Michael Jackson truly was a musical genius, okay? Yeah. Thriller and... uh, album alone. Okay, Kanye West has no business being mentioned in the same sentence with Michael Jackson. So she gives him this award, and he gets the microphone, and, and the, nobody gets the hook, and he goes on and on and on, <laughs> where he talks about how he'll die for his art AR. A, you know, uh-huh. his art. And, and Kim addressed it. I saw a picture somebody had put, or compared her to Danny DeVito in, in the Batman movie and, and how she looked. hilarious. And he, and Taylor, it, he, it, it's, he, she keeps thinking that he's going to apologize for when he sandbagged her. He goes on to justify everything and how he's, he's not a politician. And then he throws out, he's really going to run for president in 2020 and everybody will get some marijuana and i'm thinking this proves it the white house is now the residence of the biggest narcissists in the world right. you know yeah. so hey isn't he already running there's somebody named d's nuts that's running isn't that kanye <laughs> it's not kanye okay but seriously isn't there somebody named d's nuts though there's something about d's nuts i don't know i might vote you're for supposed to I, you I know like what nuts you know what? Fifteen-year-old in Iowa. Listen, I'd rather vote for D's nuts than than Bush. Okay, I ain't voting for Jeb Bush. Okay, memo to the Republican Party: well, I'll vote for D's okay. nuts I, over I, Jeb. I don't know if if it's between a Bush and nuts. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, she did. <laughs> hey, switching gears. <laughs> D's nuts. <laughs> Okay, switching gears. <laughs> All right. I'll go nuts every time. Anyway, um, yeah, I may not be able to get that gun thing if that nuts thing isn't available. So, um, Hulk Hogan was on Good Morning. Are y'all there? We're here. We're here. Tell us. <laughs> Hulk Hogan was on Good Morning America because last month he was fired by the World Wrestling Entertainment people. You know, he was twelve times World Wrestling Champion because. Uh, back in 2006, a te- sex tape was done without his knowledge, and Gawker put it up, and he's got a $100 million lawsuit against them. Well, embedded in this tape is him saying the N-word repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. The judge yeah. in the $100 million case that he has against Gawker for for airing or for putting up this, this tape had said that the that this part of it with the n-word on it was actually confidential and couldn't be released and somehow a transcript got out there 
So World WWE has fired him, and then they went in and they overnight just erased Hulk from all the archives. So poor Hulk is out there on GMA fighting tears and talking about how he inherited a racial bias having been raised in South Tampa. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, because Tampa was always such a hotbed of racism. Okay, you know what? Own it, okay, Hulk? Just he just like he needs to own his hair. He needs to own he needs to own that. Don't be blaming Tampa. He's saying that everybody called everybody the N-word all the time. That's just their, That's just what they did, and that he's not a racist. There's not a racist bone in his body. His, you know, and, and he, this was just a mistake when he was going through a bad time to say this. And, you know, he, want, he, he wants people arrested and locked up for releasing that part of it and expects the judge to do something about it. So I don't know. But poor Hulk, 40-year career, you know, he made WWE, and he's been... Wiped well, out. You know what? Like they're taking the name off of Mount McKinley. They've taken the Hulk out of the WWE. Yeah. Well, you know what? Hulk who? Okay. It's been a long time since Hulk had it. You know, I, I, uh, when was the last time he had his reality show on and then his wife left him for the young kid? You know what? I'd leave him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what else yeah. you got, Miss Della, before we got to say goodbye? Well, Kim Richards, the former uh, Disney child star, mm-hmm. also a real housewife of Beverly Hills. Yes, because those who know me know that my guilty pleasure yeah, is my housewives. I watch the OC and Beverly Hills. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, she was drunk at the Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Hotel several months ago, drunk and disorderly, mm-hmm. causing all kinds of a ruckus, got arrested. Um, she's a had been in rehab many times for different types of substance abuse. Well, she uh-huh. had her day in court. She didn't show up because allegedly she has a foot injury. Mm-hmm. There was a negotiation, no jail time, but she'd have to do 52 sessions of AA and then some community labor. I'm not sure exactly what. The, I think that's like picking up trash and doing stuff. She can't do that because her foot's broken. She just wants community service. She might have to go work at Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant and like bus tables or something, <laughs> which tables. would be humiliating well, for her. The, the judge has basically said, prove it uh-huh. on the foot. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know. Oh, so, mm-hmm. Well, the, I'm hoping all that's going to be captured fall. in this season's Housewives because you know, that's about to she, start up again. Now, Beverly she Hill. was also in a pending case where she shoplifted $600 worth of stuff from Target. Mm-hmm. And um, what she shoplifted from Target was all that stuff that's there at the front of the store. Yeah, all like all the 99-cent stuff. It's like if you're going to rip off stuff from Target, I mean, they got much better stuff than that. I know. Yeah. And then she claimed she couldn't remember whether she'd paid for it or not. I, she so. couldn't remember. Hey, I would be making off. They got tons of good cookies and stuff, you know, and, I, and great, well, great private label coffee over in the food right. section. That's what you make Lovely off with. That and Dove there. chocolates. Lots yeah, and wine. Right. And books and videos. Exactly. No, she $600 worth of that junk. <laughs> <laughs> so she won't be welcome back in Target. She's nuts. Kind of like D's nuts. All right, Della. Anything all else right. before you got to sign off, baby? That's about all I got. Mm-hmm. I think we covered it, didn't we? I think we covered it all, Della. <laughs> all right. Well, all don't right. be a stranger, baby doll. Mm-hmm. Bye, baby. All right. Um, what do we have to? T- what can we talk about briefly in the couple minutes before our break? Anything you want? You're awfully quiet over there and at St. Louis, Louie. 
I, well, I was laughing at what Della had to say. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing, too, is I feel like I'm an old person now because, you know, I hear about these people on the MTV Music Awards, and I'm like, you know, like, the kids need to get off my lawn. Like, right. I, just, I just don't understand any of them. I feel that way when I'm at the checkout at the grocery store and I look at like the National Enquirer and I don't recognize anybody on it. It's like supposedly right. all these scandals and you're supposed to be like, oh, but I don't even recognize anybody. <laughs> like like all the teen pregnant moms from like MTV, like teen, right. teen gals. Okay, well, here's a little story quickly before we go to break, Alicia, that's right up your alley. Remember how we were both mocking Chipotle? Yes. A couple of weeks ago. I don't yes, remember I why. Do. I was on my carnitas rant with, with Chipotle because I go in there because <laughs> I love my Mexican food. I go to get my carnitas and they got this thing up there. Oh, we're still temporarily out because they don't sell like irresponsible pork. And I'm like, what is responsible pork? You know, one that pays your bills, right? I'm like still <laughs> aggravated about this. Well, there's a lady that that's all a part of their supposedly we're GMO over it. You know, we don't serve anything that's got GMOs. I don't even know what that is, except it's supposed to be like some kind of like, what's GMO, Todd? That's where it's like genetically it's, modified something. Or, or yeah. Organisms. Like, it's, it's using science to splice genes in your food. And it specifically refers to uh, vegetables. And uh, it's actually what we do with uh, when we crossbreed plants. Mm-hmm. It's just that they figured out how to do that in a lab, so you so you don't have to raise a bunch of plants. You can just do it right to the gene. Well, I'm not really sure what's supposedly so bad about that, you know. But the supposedly that's like bad about yeah. It. <laughs> but well, but it's become like a hot thing. So then Chipotle yeah, gets on the bandwagon and says that they don't sell anything that's th- their whole menu now is GMO free. Except the problem is, is they've got these in this very small print. They've got disclaimers that basically everything they got there has got GMO in it. OK, so then this woman filed a lawsuit, Colleen Gallagher in Northern California. She has filed a lawsuit against them and the uh, the FDA. Um, because of label, their labeling is false and misleading, and uh, Chipotle's come out and said um, that you know they're they've declined to discuss the allegations, but said we do plan to contest this. So um, yeah. you know, basically, hey Chipotle, you want to talk about responsibility? Be, just be responsible in terms of being honest with people about what's in your food, okay? Because they basically they've gotten caught with a gimmick. Well, well, it's it's not. It's not- really that bad. I mean, most of the food that they're buying is supposedly GMO-free, but they're selling soda. And soda is made from corn syrup, and most corn syrup is made from GMO corn. So that's that's really the complaint. But it's, it, you know, I think it's kind of funny because GMO, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Chipotle was being, like, heralded by these, like, mm-hmm. like uh, hippie freaks who just think the GMOs are horrible. Right. Uh-huh. I, mean, I should probably not be so judgmental about it, but, <laughs> but that's what I think they are. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they're heralding Chipotle saying how amazing they are. They've gone GMO-free, mm-hmm. and every restaurant should be like, like them, and there should be labeling. And yet, as soon as they could, they sued them. You know, so what is that going to be? That's going to be right. a deterrent for any other restaurant to try to meet that consumer demand. Right. You know, be you know, it's it's they'll turn on you in a second. You know, you one day you're they're you know the princess, and the next day you're the pea, because they will right. turn on you in a second, and you go from you know fan favorite to you know whatever. But you know, I'm, I'm not doing good with my analogies and my metaphors right now, Aubrey. <laughs> on that note, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to get back into some politics. We're going to talk about the high one. I'm referring to Mount McKinley, of course. Hey, don't change that dial, folks. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. Just another manic Monday. 
sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer welcome back to the Andrea K show boy that Della has me laughing and so does Alicia we were having some laughs at Chipotle's expense but seriously though actually before we had Dell on we were talking about some really serious stuff we were talking about this crime spree going on Alicia and you know we'd you know um Steph is right about, you know, the fact that so many of these crimes get politicized and immediately becomes about gun control and too much about this race and that race. Um, The end result is we can talk about how we shouldn't be politicizing it, but that's what's going on, Alicia. And that's what led to this this uh, police officer in who was literally gunned down. Uh, the suburban Houston police officer shot point blank 15 times in the head. A lot of people Mm -hmm. have been following that story. What some people may not know is that um, he, his wife was a school teacher. He left a small child behind, um, a five-year-old son. And this is absolutely a devastating story. I believe um, the sheriff, when he says that, that he believes that he was targeted because he wore a uniform, I don't think that's too much of a stretch to say that when you have a movement across the country to blame police officers and to create a narrative that police officers are gunning down black people for no reason, you're going to have people get angry. We had two police officers in New York City, city shot in point blank range. And they and the guy who did it said it was because of the the anger that was fomented out of Ferguson. And then we got today, um, I think it was today, where we had the Black Lives Matter movement chanting pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, which in addition oh, wow. to yeah, which in addition to not even being particularly clever, was so hate filled. And I was watching Fox News this morning, and Deneen Borelli was on there with some other fool. I don't even know what his name was. And he was saying, you know, oh, this doesn't mean this was a mass of people chanting this. We have had masses of people burning down and just just fostering this whole anti-police officers movement. And he actually says, oh, well, this doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the movement. This movement is about justice. Meanwhile, it's the same people that when we had uh, the Tea Party taxed enough already rallies that they they were characterized as racist, even though there was not one. One racist symbol ever found at a Tea Party rally. Not one instance of people marching en masse at Tea Party rallies saying anything racist. So, you know, this is just really disturbing to me. And I agree with, what's her name, Elizabeth Hasselbeck from Fox News, who said this Black Lives Matter movement should be characterized as as, um, a, a hate group. 
That's what I think. Do you agree? Um, I don't know if I would characterize it as a hate group. I definitely think that there are hateful people within it. And I think that anytime you say that one racial group is superior to another uh, in any context, that that um, is ignorance and um, should be concerning. And I really, and it is, it does trouble me the amount of violence that is being fomented as a result of the, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter um, movement. You know, I, I, I don't want to take away from legitimate uh, statements that they're making about the militarization of police and our laws disproportionately affecting the, uh, the inner cities, which are mostly minorities. I mean, I think that there's, there's some really valid points there about our constitutional rights being abridged. But when we get away from that and just make it about a, a war between one group of people, which are police officers, and another group of people, which are black people, or white people versus black people, then we get away from any kind of rationality, and it turns into something that's evil and hateful. And right. that's what I'm worried about. And that's what's going on here. And it's so hateful that, you know, you've got, like, Martin O'Malley, who had to walk it back when he said all lives matter. Well, you know, there's something really wrong with your organization, Alicia, when you can't acknowledge that any other skin color's lives matter. Right. You know, there's something really wrong there. And the, the Obama administration and nobody on the left is speaking out against it. And right. um, they had what they should be saying is when they when they're saying Black Lives Matter, if they came back and said, yes, all lives matter. What we're trying to say is that, our, that the black lives are equal and they're not being treated with equality. That's a different approach than no, our lives matter and yours don't. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, this is like I was saying at the top of the top of the show. All all crimes today are being politicized, and that includes Hillary Clinton's crimes. We come back in the next hour. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with Hillary Clinton and her email scandal there because that's being politicized. But it's all for, for politicizing. And Barack Obama, when he ran for office in 2008, one of the reasons why so many people, you know, how did— Oh, it, what, how did he put it when he was, um, oh, the waters will rise to meet him? I mean, white people put him into office. He could not have gotten elected without a, a majority of Americans, many white people electing him because people perceived, even many white people perceived him as being the healer of race relations in this nation. And what he ended up doing intentionally was fostering more hate um, between the races than I can remember in my lifetime. And I grew up in the Deep South. I used to to see places like Ms. Mays, where they had a little opening, a little window in the front door uh, of the establishment where you'd have to knock and, and they'd look out to see what color you were. OK, I come from the deep south. I know racism. And this is worse today than in any time in my life. And it was intentional. And it's done for one reason only, cynically to amass power to a centralized government. That's what it's about. And anytime you have anybody who who wants who is black, who wants to speak out against it, they're called an Uncle Tom, like Ben Carson. And and, you know, he and, and if the Republican Party was smart, we're going to spend a little time in the next hour talking about the GOP. If the Republican Party was smart, Alicia, they'd be getting behind uh, Ben Carson. They would have gotten they would have stayed behind Herman Cain and not thrown him aside because of some dopey allegations from some women. How come Bill Clinton and every other Democrat gets to have all these, you know, uh, affairs or whatever and gets excused? We get a couple allegations against what could have been a great presidential candidate and we toss our our, our guys aside. I mean, the, the one one of the crimes happening against us right now, Alicia, is we got a Republican Party that's just constantly shooting at their own feet. I mean, they're yeah. just they're just so ridiculous. If they, a, if they weren't a foil for Donald Trump, they really ought to be just supporting uh, Ben Carson. 
you know, he's really uh, risen in the polls. He comes across as very calm and a thoughtful man, an intelligent man, and, uh, you know, has a, a solid backing in conservative values. You think that they would uh, start really rallying behind them if they're concerned that the, that the uh, nomination is being carried away by Donald Trump. Well, you know, he was intentionally targeted in the way that he was by Megyn Kelly the night of the day, the, the, the debate Ben Carson was um, and in such an insulting, despicable manner because he's an anti-establishment candidate, just like Trump is. That's another reason why Trump was treated the way he was. It's another reason why Carly Fiorina was kept off the stage because they know that the the reason why those three are resonating and those three are the top three, uh, according to polls in Iowa right now, is that the electorate, the Republican electorate, and that includes libertarians, are angry at the establishment and we want to take our party and our nation back and they're scared of them. And that's why uh, I disagreed with so much of the focus being just about Trump after the Fox debate. It was an attack on anybody non-establishment. And the way she spoke to him was so demeaning. This man is a brilliant neurosurgeon. The guy has split brains in half. Don't tell me he can't go to D.C. Okay. And and get some. What did you say about the uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve? Like, you know, like he's supposed to remember every detail. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I knew who Alan Greenspan was, but, you know, I spent most of my career in government. He was saying most of his career, you know, in medicine. So, you know, if she asked him a question about uh, stupid, I'm sure he could answer yeah. that. <laughs> and meanwhile, she was she was having to read Greenspan's name from her own notes, okay, because, right. she, because she's been accused of many things, but being brilliant isn't one of them. Hey, yeah, you're... It, it just, Well, I was just going to say, you're brilliant, Alicia, so you're going to stay with me on the next hour. And so are all my listeners. Don't change that dial, folks, because we've got another hour of the Andrea K. Show coming up right here on AM 1170. Stay with us. The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome back to hour two of the Andrea K. Show. It's Monday night, right here in San Diego. We're happy to have you spend this time with us. I'm joined in the studio tonight with engineer DJ Carrot Sticks Todd. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin. What? You're going to New Hampshire? Is it, that what you It was go- just supposed to be his y'all. Yeah. <laughs> we also have with us calling in from St. Louis, my partner in crime, Alicia Dern. Hey. Hey. And then we've got Alicia's better half from her Bellatrix law firm here in the studio with us, Miss Aubrey Russell. Hello. Hey. Um, I got to give a hat tip to Aubrey because she was telling me something earlier today that I did not know, Alicia. And I don't know if you know this either, Todd, or any of my listeners out there. Did you know that, okay, everybody's talking about the fact that Obama is renaming Mount McKinley Denali, okay? Did you know that, Alicia? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, how pathetic is that? But you know what's even more pathetic? The fact that I find out from Aubrey today that he's actually going to Alaska and he's going to be on that reality show called Running Wild with Bear Grylls. <laughs> Do you know that show? Have you ever seen it? I, I've definitely seen it. Simon and I watch it, and 
I, I think that, you know, if it's not for the Secret Service, he, he would not survive very long. No, yeah. he wouldn't. In fact, I'm ho- well, you know what? He gets to ca- kind of actually get a little bit easier because he's going to Alaska in the summertime. I wish he was going on an episode I saw of Bear Grylls where he's out in the Sahara Desert and he's got a pee on a T-shirt and wrap his head with the pee on T-shirt, okay? Then you might impress me, Obama, with your survival skills, okay? What a dope. You know, just as dopey speaking of Mr. High, is him um, renaming McKinley. You know what this is about, Alicia? This is about scrubbing American history. A lot of people are like, oh, it's no big deal. They refer to his Denali all the time because it's Denali Park over there. Well, you know what? Rush made a joke today, which was which was really telling about the situation. He said Obama was going to rename the Rocky Mountains, too, until, until he found out that it wasn't named after a white boxer. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Doc Porbin, he said today, too, he said the same thing. He said, this is about looking to see something that's named after a white guy and scratching it. And, of course, it's about, you know, also scrubbing American history. Who was McKinley? A little history lesson. I had to research him because, you know, I'm not always up on all that, my American presidents. He was the 25th president. He was assassinated six months into his second term. He was the last U.S. president, Alicia, I don't know if you know this, to actually serve in the Civil War. And he was in the Union army he fought to free slaves and he was a republican and he was white and that's why obama here we are we've got isis hidden christians and you know we've got police officers being gunned down in parking lots Um, but the most important thing to obama right now in spite of the fact that we've got all these crises going on around the world and at home his number one priority is to go be on running wild with bear grills and to you know uh, rename mountains in alaska Well, you know, I, I think he's, he's got two uh, two political motivations here. One is that he is uh, pr- pushing his viewpoints and agenda on global warming, and mm-hmm. he's doing that by going and talking with the Eskimo and Inuit peoples and asking them how, you know, the, the melting ice is impacting their lives. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I lived on a, you know, a, a glacier, I'd probably be happy to, for it to be warm. But, yeah. You know, that's just me. That's, I'm, I'm a Californian. Though. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> although, <laughs> yeah. Although I did read a report recently that that's also not true about the glaciers uh, receding and that there's actually, at least in the Arctic, there's actually thicker, you know, ice caps uh, than than ever so right. that that's actually not true so you know of course like i said he goes up there in the summertime when it's warmer you know if it's it, it's all global warming is a hoax it's all about control you look at what's going on here in california with this whole drought situation it's man-made you know that's what they had to change it from global warming to climate change alicia because the the science wasn't bearing up you know the party of science it's like you know something else another quip from doc porbin today he said he's a denali denier You know, up there. So, yeah, you're right. This is about pushing, you know, the false narrative of of global warming, which is really all about control. That's what liberalism is about. It's about that way. I mean, he spent $40 billion on energy boondoggles. But, hey, they want to spend more of our taxpayer dollars on energy boondoggles. They want to push more EPA regulations on us that are going to result in more rivers being, you know, poisoned. You know, hey. Right. Yeah, the EPA. Good job, EPA. <laughs> really, really uh, helping us preserve our, our environment here. Right. Um, you know, I, I uh, and I think I think that the the renaming of uh, Mount McKinley is is also uh, part of this like bigger movement of being um, apologists for uh, you know what what uh, I think is broadly called imperialism, but you know how human beings behave through all of history, which was to conquer land. 
uh, and and all of a sudden now it's you know imperialism. We need to apologize for how what people have done hundreds of years ago, which is the same behavior that all human beings have exhibited across all um, you know uh, groups. So it, you know it kind of bothers me that we can continue to to feel like uh, we have to apologize um, for our for our history as Americans, mm-hmm. and I think that that's part of the problem of why America has been getting away from our values and, and you know, this, this idea of American exceptionalism, we're getting away from that um, in order to, I guess, bring ourselves down to the next, you know, to lower common denominator. I'm, I, I'm not sure what the goal is here, um, but I don't think that America should be have to, to feel like we should be ashamed of who we are and what our history is. We have We've had bad things in our history, but so has so most civilizations. Well, you know, we in 2008, one of the things that he ran on, President Obama, was he ran as an anti-American guy. He went and did a campaign speech in Cairo in which he talked about himself as being a citizen of the world. And shame on McCain, who at the time refused to call him out for his associations for his equally, if not more, anti-American friends. Uh, like Bill Ayers, who was a who right. was a, a, a domestic terrorist here, who was such right. an anti-American guy, and Reverend Wright, who screamed "GD America" after 9/11, and who right. reveled in the attacks that happened here. That's who he is. He was raised. He wasn't raised here in America. He was raised in Indonesia and then in Hawaii by by communists who certainly had no yeah. respect or, or, or no love of this country. So that's yeah. what you have. And when he said, and when he said he wanted to transform America, nobody on the left and even on the right even bother to ask him what he meant by transformation. The only one who did was Joe the plumber. And he said right then he revealed that he was an income redistribution Marxist. But right. because but right. but because he was black and because he was charismatic, the Republican Party wanted to tiptoe around and they didn't care. McCain didn't care because what did McCain do when he lost? He went right back to his his congressional seat out of Arizona. And we were the ones who lost and he's the one who stayed. You know, McCain kept his power because that's where the establishment Republican Party's at right now too. Right. They're about right. Now, you had said, I wanted to shift gears real quick. You had said recently on Facebook that you were starting to warm up to Trump. And, uh, which, I, 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 you know, <laughs> I know I got attacked immediately by all my libertarian friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, there's, but there's much to like about Trump. And in fact, there's more to like about Trump than even right. I realized. And I'm not necessarily backing him at, or I'm putting all my weight, not that I have much at 107 pounds. <laughs> but what I did, um, you know, uh, I think it was a Drew Rutberg posted a really good article about Trump on his Facebook page. And it was written by a guy named Coach Col- uh, Ed Wood, actually, a staff writer, wrote a really interesting article about Donald Trump. And the, it says, you know, what does he really stand for? And, you know, people would, people would have you believe that Trump doesn't really stand for anything, that all he is is just some bombastic guy, some, you know, just some big talker who just wants to throw bombs and really doesn't have any policy or any ideas behind him. Well, he's got just as much as what we're hearing from Hillary Clinton. He, and, and, you know, you've got all these establishment types in Washington that led us to believe if we gave him a house that then they would do something and they did. And then it was, well, we got to get the Senate to, and we gave him the Senate and they did nothing. So you know what? They've done nothing. So, you know, he's got just as much uh, policy weight behind him. Um, But this is a really good article, and I'm going to go through a few before we have to take a break. The first thing is that he believes that America should not intervene militarily in other countries' problems without being compensated for doing so. Well, you know what? I kind of like that idea. If we're going to go around and take our military and spend a few trillion dollars to go and rescue, you know, some country or 
or stop a genocide or, or something going on, why shouldn't we be compensated for that, Alicia? Why should the American people have to foot the bill for everything? I kind of think he's on to something there. People had said, well, no blood for oil. Well, you know what? If we're going to give the blood and treasure anyway, we might as well get compensated for it. So I actually like that idea. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a kind of a libertarian idea, as well as he says he wants America to have a strong military again. Uh, he thinks, in fact, he thinks that the most important function of the federal government is a national defense. That's very libertarian. It's basically to say it's not yeah. the role of the government to be telling us what we should eat and what kind of car we should drive and how much, right. you know, what our minimum wage or what you know benefits we should give our employees. But it's just basically to secure our borders and keep us safe. So I'm, I'm all with him there. And I love the fact that he says that he says he wants to find another General Patton or General, General MacArthur, and that his mindset when it comes to the military is if you're going to go fight, fight to win instead of this political, right. you know, correct crap. Um, when it comes to his foreign policy, he has seven core principles, and I haven't heard anybody talk about this either. American interests should come first and always. I'm on board there. Maximum firepower and military preparedness. No more of this crap that's been going on. We have more people died in Afghanistan in the first four years of Obama's presidency than all eight of George Bush, and it got no media play. And it was because of the rules of engagement were set up to make our people sitting ducks, Alicia. They couldn't even wear, you know, they couldn't even go out within the communities armed. They were literally sitting ducks. He says, only go to war to win. Stay loyal to your friends and suspicious of your enemies. Right on. Mm -hmm. Keep the technological sword razor sharp. Uh, See the unseen. Prepare for threats before they materialize. You know, be proactive. I mean, kind of makes sense. Respect and support our present and our past warriors. We don't do enough to take care of of our veterans. He's one of the few people on the campaign trail actually talking about taking care of our veterans. You know, we've got, you know, we've got the left and the Republican Party, the establishment, that just wants to pander to, you know, to all the illegals, including giving them benefits. Meanwhile, our veterans right. who have, who've, you know, given lives and, and body parts and, their, and, and everything else in service to our country are totally going without benefits, an abomination. Um, number four, he believes that captured terrorists should be treated as military combatants, not as criminals, like the Obama administration does. Uh, Then he gets into some economics. You know, he keeps talking about China. He believes that the manipulation of their currency has given them an unfair advantage. And uh, but he also thinks that there's other countries that are taking advantage of us and that we need to protect ourselves against foreign efforts to to take our jobs and our manufacturing and that we need to give incentives to companies like Ford who want to take a manufacturing plant in Mexico, charge them, you know, a tax to incentivize them to stay here. You know, if you're going to punish people, you know, for staying here and incentivize them to leave, what are they going to do, Alicia? Right, right. It's, it's the problem with, with Oreo specifically is the sugar tariffs. You know, so we could just make it cheaper for sugar and then Oreo won't go. Right. Um, he says uh, Trump, he, he favors the passage of NOPEC legislation, which is No Oil Producing and Exporting Cartels Act. Um, which would allow the government to sue OPEC for violating antitrust laws. He says that would break up the cartel. And he also wants to follow Sarah Palin's which is idea, which is drill, baby, drill. We need to be drilling domestically. You know, that, you know w- w- what's the point of not drilling as though we're all, we're all going to be off gas? You know, we're not going to have to power. We're, we're never going to be a fossil fuel-less economy. It's what drives the world. We've got, we've got Brazil off our shores. Why are we not off our shores? It doesn't even make any kind of sense. Um, He wants to radically change our tax system. Mm -hmm. I love this. He wants to lower the death tax. We should have no death tax, Alicia. People already pay pay taxes on their income in a variety of different ways. And you've got to pay taxes on it again just because you died. 
Right. That, that's re- it, it's ridiculous. It, well, I mean, they, they figure you don't care. Well, <laughs> but your heirs care. You know, you work yeah. hard your whole life to, to have a legacy. Yeah, exactly. And it's still your property. See, that's the mindset right. of the left. That, that your personal property isn't really your property. It's only a loan right. to you by the government. And we need Republicans. Yeah, he's the only one that I've heard mention the death tax. He's also talking about uh, lowering taxes on capital gains and dividends. It's all about putting more money back into the system so people can actually start businesses, hire people, you know, put people to work. And then their, their taxes will actually put more money back in. Reagan did this back in the 80s. You know, right. I mean, lower taxes, jobs were created, and actually tax revenues actually went up for the government. He wants to repeal Obamacare. Uh, he wants spending reforms in Washington, but he doesn't want to cut um, Social Security because he thinks that, you know, people have paid into that. So he thinks that you should build the economy up and, uh, and that that's the way that you'll uh, take care of Social Security without having to cut those benefits. Uh, he wants to reform the welfare state, go back to Clinton's basically uh, idea, which was a transaction, uh, well, you know, welfare to work program. Uh, he thinks climate change is a hoax right on. He's against Common Core. He's pro-life, uh, has a couple exceptions, rape incest. He's pro-Second Amendment, uh, traditional marriage guy. He supports the death penalty. And I want to end on this, um, a really good story about him. He's, he says he believes that there's a lack of common sense. And here's a story I didn't know about Alicia. When he was opening his golf uh, club here in Palos Verdes, um, he was told that they needed a new ballroom because the current ballroom only sat 200 people. But you know how it is with Coastal out here. He would have to, like, spend millions and millions of dollars, and it would take years and years by the time they approved his plans and all that kind of crap. So he looks around, and he realized that the problem wasn't the room. It was the size of the chairs. The chairs were way too big. So he's like, well, let's just get smaller, better-looking chairs and save all the money. So they sell off the current chairs that they got, made more money from the sale of the old chairs to cover the cost of the new chairs. So they save money there. They went from 200 to a 320-person capacity room, never had to shut down the room, so they were able to immediately keep it going and have an income stream. And, you know, so the, the, the attitude, the impression of him is just this big money guy who, who doesn't have a brain, who just runs around and, and gold lame everything and doesn't know how to bring simple solutions. But to me, that's exactly the kind of mindset we need to bring to Washington. Somebody who can look at a situation. Washington is full of people that would have looked at that and said, not only do we need a new ballroom, but we need to take 20 years and spend $20 million when we could only do it in, in two years and spend five. Do we lose a you know, green and and uh, uh, sustainable ballroom? You know, like they would have so many public interests involved in the the rebuilding of that ballroom, it would never have got done. Right. So you know, to me, you know, the more I hear about Trump, the more I understand why he's resonating. I haven't had the opportunity to sit through one of his speeches, but this is everything he stands for, according to this article, is what I agree with. And it's everything that I thought that the Republican Party agreed with that they supposedly were selling me on, but it failed to implement. With one exception, the common sense and the cost savings and the efficiency. You're never going to have that by any government official. You're only going to have that by somebody who's actually been responsible for his own money and his own expenses. See, when it's somebody else's money in government, they don't care whether or not it takes 20 years and $20 million when it could be done for free. They don't care about that. That's not how government works. So we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about some other stories of the day. We're going to talk about Hillary we're going to do our Bellatrix business block segment. So we're just going to keep the fun rolling here on the Andrea K show. So don't don't go anywhere people.
Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. When you hear of suffering children far away, it's easy to think that whatever you could do wouldn't possibly make a difference. But I have very good news for you. You might find this hard to believe, but today you can save the life of a child. Here's how. In Project Hope's warehouse in Northern Virginia, life-saving medical supplies are ready to be shipped to poverty zones around the world. All we need to put those supplies to work is the cost to ship them. Today, every $1 you give will save the life of a child in Africa or other remote locations around the world. A $50 gift will save 50 children. Now you can really make a difference for poor and hurting children. Call Project Hope today. Toll free, 844-454-HOPE, 844-454-4673. That's 844-454-4673. Or give online at projecthopeairlift.com. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Miramar Kitchen you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer that's a classic was that from the 80s or the 90s little Paula Abdul a little uh, early 90s early 90s you know who supposedly was a cold-hearted snake Alicia Dern and it was that um, prep school kid from New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, this was a trial. I got to admit, I didn't follow it closely. Um, he was charged with rape, with, with, which is a felony. And part of the evidence against him was a Facebook posting that he did where he bragged that he used every trick in the book. And when I first right. heard that, I thought, well, what guy hasn't? Right. You Todd's laughing right now. But come on. I mean, there's the there's the yawn and then stretch their arms out and put the, the hand over your shoulder. And then there's all the tricks that they use, you know, in terms of, oh, I love you, baby. And I'll respect you in the morning, baby. You know, all the, the lies they tell you and you know, all your yep. friends are doing it. I mean, there's all kinds of tricks that guys use. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that there's rape. And right. then she had supposedly texted back to him that night, calling him an angel and this and that. So, you know, it didn't come as a surprise to me to find out that he was found not guilty because even if he did rape her, I mean, she kind of hurt her, her own case with texting him afterwards and then telling other people that it was consensual and texting him that he was an angel. So I wasn't surprised to find out he was found not guilty. But then I was surprised that it was he was found guilty of misdemeanor. And it's like, well... That's kind of like being a little pregnant. Either he raped her or he didn't. What what happened here? Was this some kind of compromise verdict that they don't really know what happened, so they split the baby? You know what? That was my impression. As soon as I read the news story on it, I thought, this is a jury that is looking at this going, well, you know, here we've got a a young girl who's 15. 
she thought she's too young really to be consenting, um, saying that she was assaulted, but you have conflicting evidence and you have a teenage boy acting the way that teenage boys typically do, saying that it was consensual. Uh, we do know that there was sexual contact and, you know, she was too young and she feels violated. I think, you know, the, I think the jury uh, must have argued about this and finally decided to just give him, you know, half a punishment. Well, uh, he was still convicted of one felony. He was convicted of a felony uh, for using the Internet to solicit sex from a minor. Oh, uh, that was the luring? Interesting. That, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I actually do think that there's some good lessons for everybody here. I think there's lessons in terms of respect for him, you know, in, ter- in terms of and maybe for all guys out there that it really isn't cool right. to be trying to trick girls into doing something right. that they don't want to do. Um, I, but I don't know that that necessarily yeah. means it's rape because uh, there's also a lesson to girls out there that a guy's going to say anything to get a leg over. And, you know, young Especially girls need to be a young hormonal boy. I mean, yeah. Boy, too. Yeah. Uh, and you know, go ahead. What bothers me about the narrative of this case is that I'm seeing in the media and, and the prosecution did this as well, talking about we have this rape culture and it's this elite boarding school that's misogynist and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I think I'm sick of that particular narrative. I think that what we should really be talking about is maybe we should start uh, asking why sex is so permissive in children. What are we teaching our children when we're when they all think that it's okay to have sex and they're happy? You know, uh, sixteen and pregnant is a popular show on television. Right. I guess. Think, right. I mean, I think that's an excellent point. Is that you know we we're sexualizing children. You look at. Uh, toddlers and tiaras where you've got three little three-year-old right. girls in you know vamping it and doing little sexy routines wearing little bikinis and way too much makeup so we we're sexualizing children in, the, in in this country and and when they're obviously you look at these two and you think look at the 15 and 18 neither one of them was emotionally yeah. mature enough to handle and, it and, and i think that she did life. something she didn't want to do and regretted it later and you know um you know, they're both victims and, and in a you sense. have two lives ruined because you have two basically children who right. have done something adult that they should have done, and now both of their lives are ruined because she's traumatized and he's got a felony and and uh, a criminal record, and he's going to have to register as a sex offender, and it's never going to get to vote and all these other things. So you've got two lives ruined over something where I think if our culture had started talking about being responsible mm-hmm. with sexuality to our children. Um, we might be able to avoid some of this stuff. I don't think it's just the school's fault. I don't think it's just, you know, that uh, it's boarding schools are bad and colleges are bad. I think that, that you know, pubescent adolescents all act this way and it's uh, it's very predictable and we should all be talking to them and telling them that they shouldn't be having sex when they're so young. Right. And but there is, as I said, at the top of the top of the show, in terms of politicizing, you know, crimes, you know, this false narrative about a rape culture going on is all about feeding in to the 2016 election for this, the war on women. And that supposedly that's going to set up Hillary that somehow, I guess, having her as president is going to, you know, make that OK, you know, or, or solve that problem. I mean, this is just it's just the same old politics, identity politics, telling women that they're victims and then pretending that the Democrat Party is going to somehow solve their problems. But so, you know, that's my take on that story. Now, um, <clears throat> the Academy Awards, you know, we had Della on earlier, who is our Hollywood buzz reporter. But you actually have a story involving the Oscars and uh, something called the cyber squatting trial. That you yes. wanted to report on tonight. What is that? What I don't even know what cyber squatting means, but yet there's a trial involving the Oscars. What's going on with that? 
Well, uh, the Oscars, the, the Academy of uh, Motion Pictures, has actually sued GoDaddy because they have, um, you know, th- their name is the, uh, the Oscars, and that's a trademark name for them. And uh, when you buy domains, if you don't buy all the similar domains to you, somebody else can buy them and sit on the domain and, and either charge you a ransom to get, the, get you buy it, or they can put whatever content they want on a domain similar to your name. So, for example, Oscars.com is owned by the Academy. TheOscars.com is not owned by them. So this could have been, you know, anybody could go and register that with GoDaddy and then use that traffic because sometimes people will type in TheOscars.com instead. Mm-hmm. They, they're using it for ad revenue. And so when they use it for ad revenue, GoDaddy gets a slice. And uh, as a result, the Oscars sued GoDaddy for $30 million. Uh, it's it's interesting because this is a, a major uh, income source for GoDaddy. Uh, it's also uh, if if the Academy wins, GoDaddy is now going to be put in a position where they're going to have to start policing people who you know if they're registering some of these domains. You know, an example right. is like CarlyFiorina dot com points to her presidential campaign. CarlyFiorina dot org. Somebody bought it. And, you know, rants about how she laid off people at Hewlett Packard, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's just become saying, you know, now GoDaddy's going to start getting all over the place. Now, GoDaddy initially said in their defense that they made less than $350 in advertising revenue, which we know is a bunch of hooey. That doesn't even make sense. Um, and and um, I mean, come on. Company, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, when uh, Ampass, the Academy of Motion Pictures, says right. that they generated at least $100 million since 2006. Um, but GoDaddy is, is um, saying that um, another defense of theirs is that they have introduced supposedly, uh, as soon as this was brought to their attention, that they put a filter in there to keep this from right. happening. Um, right. Well, you know. Not soon enough, GoDaddy, because if this has been going on long enough for you to rack up 100 mil, um, you didn't put that filter in soon enough. And you're you're a, a domain and website company. You knew you could have prevented this. So it ain't looking too good for them. Right. Well, you know, I actually I have um, some sympathy for GoDaddy on this because, you know, they, they're selling a product, which is a do- domain. And somebody right. else bought the name. You know, why should GoDaddy have to be responsible for tr- for uh, transacting that service, you know, why should they have to make sure that there's nobody out there committing cyber squatting and piracy and all of that? Well, you know, uh, and, why should and they babysit? It, yeah, why should they babysit? And you know, offering advertising revenue is something that they do. It's something that Google does. It's sort of ubiquitous in the in the internet industry. So you're asking GoDaddy to to really police, and I I'm not sure that that's fair. Uh, right. On the other hand, I am sympathetic because I think cyber squatting is pretty gross basically yeah. <laughs> so well, the name alone is gross <laughs> <laughs> well, you know i mean i am i've got my book just pursuit for example and right. as soon as i bought the domain i bought the domain justpursuit.com and literally a week later i got an email from somebody who who bought just pursuit without the s at the uh, end and then tried to sell it to me for like hundreds of dollars and i was like you know screw off basically. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, these people exist and it happens routinely but go daddy though it, I think they're being targeted because they're a deep pocket. If if uh, this uh, if they get hit and they shut down all ad revenue on their site, all that's going to happen is that these same sites and the same cyber squatting is going to happen. It's just going to happen offshore right. because there won't be any courts to touch it there. Absolutely. All right. Well, so when is this case going to um, – it's being heard right now? 
It turns on through, tri- through the first phase of the trial. The jury is deliberating, so uh, we all have a verdict. The jury's been deliberating over a week now. Oh, wow. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they have to say about it. All right. Well, you'll keep us posted on that, won't you? All right. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, we're doing some new, uh, at my firm, we're doing a new trademark webinar to talk about how trademark impacts small businesses and how you can protect your own brand and your own trademark identities. Um, this is one, one small area. But there's, you know, trademark really touches on protecting your business. So uh, we're doing a webinar actually on Wednesday. Okay. And uh, if people want to sign up for that, that's at trademarkswebinar.com. Okay. So that's they go to trademarks, plural? Trademarks webinars. Trademarks with an S, <laughs> webinar.com. Awesome. That's, a, be, that's a really important one. I'm going to have to tune in for that myself because I think I should trademark the Andrea K Show. You should. You should. And I will talk to you about that offline. You absolutely should. All right. Awesome. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Hillary. She's probably trying to trademark her emails. Maybe that's why she's holding on to them. <laughs> hey, don't change that dial, folks. It's the Andrea K. Show right here on AM 1170, The Answer. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll close. One more Andrea K. Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. And like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. We get it too. Tim Bouchard Enterprise reminds us one of the largest threats to children today is automobile accidents. Slow down near parks, playgrounds, and other residential areas. When a car hits a car, that's an accident. But when a car hits a child, that's a tragedy. This reminder from Tim Gishard Enterprise, 3508 Alpine Boulevard in Alpine. Call 619-589-9433. That's 619-589-9433, where they remind us to slow down and give our kids a break. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Having a great time here tonight in studio with DJ Carrot Sticks Todd. Woo woo. Woo woo. Aubrey Russell from Bellatrix and my gal Alicia Dern calling in from St. Louis. Hey, you know, hey, um, speaking of politics and crime, that's what we've been talking about tonight in part. How many people, has anybody keeping track of how many people associated with the Clintons have come up dead, Alicia? Do you know how many? No. 
That'd it's, be interesting. I don't know. I mean, I it's a lot. I'll tell you in in southern terms, it's buku. Okay, that's a lot. Okay, recently there was an MI. Did you hear about the MI six spy who was found dead? He no. yeah, he was found dead inside a hold all bag in his bathtub in London. And I actually he was found back in 2010. But what wasn't revealed until today was that he had hacked into secret data um, that he had on President Clinton. Let that sink in. We've got another Vince Foster situation here. Uh, there was speculation at the time that he was found dead um, in September 2010 that there was speculation as to, you know, why an MI6 guy is found in a bag, right? Hardly suicide. Um, at the time, though, that uh, they, the London Metropolitan Police said, oh, it was probably an accident. Yeah, right. Um, especially since he had been involved with the FBI and um, uh, the NSA, the National Security Agency, so... It gets curiouser and curiouser that he had dug in. He he was involved. This guy had some sketchy sexual stuff going on in his life. And then, you know, he had hacked into Bill Clinton stuff. And we know Clinton has been involved in some sketchy stuff himself. So that's interesting. He was found with a second passport and all kinds of stuff. So interesting. But you know who else might be finding herself in need of a phony passport, Alicia? Might be Hillary. Because yeah. uh, word is now that um, in addition to the fact that today another round of emails were going to be uh, dumped, 150 more documents flagged for classified information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was going to be in a batch released today by the State Department. 6,000 more personal emails. These are just the emails that, that Hillary graciously allowed uh, the government to have. I mean, this, you know, she's been, when she set up a home server, she basically was um, snatching government property because right. the minute she was sworn into office as Secretary of State, every piece of communication from that point forward was government property. So when she destroyed it, when she set it up on a home server, and especially when she destroyed it, and especially destroying it after subpoena, she should have already been charged with the crime. But now the FBI is looking into it. But, of course, she politicized it by, you know, acting as though, gee, she's being, I'm cooperating. I'm handing over everything after she destroyed 30,000. No, you're not handing over anything when when it's already government property, lady. But now we well, find she, out she shouldn't be in a position of having to hand it over in the first place. That's what she's not getting. It's not she, she was uncooperative taking it out of uh, a government server and to her own private server in the first place. Right. That was a violation of the Records Act. And then she's in violation of uh, the Espionage Act. Not even see th- there's a misnomer here. Yes, she's got the classified information. That's an a- that's a violation on its own. But then on top of it, the Espionage Act that the FBI is looking into um, has to do with uh, any uh, documents related to national defense, which means they don't have to be classified. All they have to do is be related to national defense. And we know Half of what the Secretary of State's been involved in involves our national defense. She was involved in Libya. She was involved in, in, in Egypt and all the hot spots around the world that had to do with our national defense. That's what was going on here. And so uh, according to this, the Espionage Act, uh, U.S. Code 793, um, that, and there's actually some people that have gone um, off the record 
saying that, um, you know, she's basically in some hot water here. I'm still saying that even though um, she's violated the Espionage Act um, multiple times, I'm still saying that I don't think that she's ever going to face any true criminal prosecution. I don't believe she is. Um, But I do think that she's lost a third of, according to polls, she's lost a third of her support from the Democrats. Um, they've, they're coming out with a debate schedule that Debbie Wasserman Schultz is trying to save her. But I think that what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to take, they're going to push her aside and, uh, somebody else is going to get the nomination, whether it's Biden or O'Malley. I don't think they're going to let Sanders get it. I really don't. She's now saying, Alicia, that she's got all the soup, that she's got enough superdelegates actually. Uh, and the Republican party doesn't have superdelegates, but she's saying that she's got enough support from superdelegates that she's already got a lock. And I wouldn't, and I, well, well I, you laugh, but I wouldn't I would be surprised. What? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't brag about that because that would just, that'll piss off the electorate. Excuse my language. That'll anger the electorate. Who's all going to come out and vote for nothing. You know, they, they want to know that their, their voices are being heard. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand the super delegate process. And so, you know, once they find out, and the same with caucuses and stuff, once they find out that actually the delegates might not follow their wishes they get pretty upset about that and so she really wants to keep a base of voters she should not be running around saying well it doesn't matter what you do because i've already i'm already locked for the nomination right well well well, however well however i mean the the democrat party was fine having her being the the hand chosen one right for them they were okay with that process basically Mm -hmm. until it until it started looking like she might lose to a republican because of her email mess so i don't know i think they're kind of okay with tyranny if she gets charged with a felony, she'll be ineligible for office. She's going to be going through, first of all, she'll be distracted because she's going to be going through a, you know, a criminal trial. But if she gets convicted, she will not be able to serve as president. And so, you know, um, I think that's why Biden is sort of sitting on the sidelines. He hasn't said no. He hasn't said yes. I think that they're trying to see whether the FBI investigation is going to become more than what the political channel, the political elite can handle as far as quashing. You know, it just doesn't seem to be dying. And the more evidence that's coming out, they can't they can't bury it. Um, and, uh, you know, if if she does get charged with anything or it comes out to the point where it looks like she should get charged with something, they're going to have to substitute somebody. in. And I think that's why Biden is sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, Jeb has lost. Speaking of um, big donors and, and support, Jeb's lost, I guess, three of his big bundlers. His big fundraisers. He's starting to peel off people that, you know, sure. you know, thought he was it was supposed to be Clinton was the handpicked, you know, establishment Democrat. And she was going to walk into the nomination. And the Republican Party thought they were going to do the same thing to us. They thought they were going to get so much money his way that it was going to force him to be uh, the inevitable candidate nominee. And it doesn't seem like it's it's working out that way. And, you know, I, I'm hoping anyway. Um, what are your thoughts well, on that? Still- there's still a long time until the first Iowa caucus and still New Hampshire primaries. Uh, we're going to start seeing some of these candidates peel off. And when we do, when, uh, you know, like I, I think uh, we're probably going to see at some point Chris Christie and uh, and Perry fall off. They don't have huge amounts, huge numbers anyway. But as, as some of the more um, Republican established politicians give up, more of those votes are going to coalesce around a couple of uh, nominees, and then we're going to really know who's going to be the big challenger to, to Donald Trump. I don't think that Jeb Bush is out of it by any means. I don't uh, think he's out of it, um, I, but I, I don't, he's certainly not the inevitable. 
And I think it's yeah, a much he's, he's tougher. Not, he still has a really large uh, purse as far as the super PAC money goes. I mean, the super PACs, he's technically he doesn't control that. So, I mean, they could put it around a different candidate if they wanted to. But um, people who have professed support for him, he's raised over $100 million, which is far more than any other candidate he, in the yeah. race, including including Hillary. Well, he's uh, he's not going anywhere, but he's certainly not inevitable. And I think that uh, I, I, I'm starting to think that Trump might actually be carrying this away. He, it looks like he's got something brewing with Ted Cruz. I would love to see him, whether it's him with Ted Cruz or him with Carson or even him with Fiorina. So my message to the Republican Party right now is it's absolutely egregious that they would not that they would be abdicating to CNN to choose whether or not Carly Fiorina uh, is is in the debate. That's absolutely ridiculous. Republican Party, you know, not only should they be demanding and dictating who's on the stage, but also get rid of the moderators. I mean, you know, the Republican Party never learns from anything. You know, you look at what happened after Candy Crowley and then they set themselves up to be, you know, treated like crap by, you know, by Megyn Kelly. Um, I want to shift gears, though, because I want to talk a little bit more about economics, because I think this is something that's starting to become more and more important uh, to the voters as we get closer to the elections. People are starting to pay a little bit more attention to economics. And that's one of the reasons why people are listening to Trump. You know, he was talking about China um, before China devalued their currency and before we had this big Black Monday last week. And now people are like, hey, that Trump was onto something. So people are starting to pay attention to the economy. Um, and, and typically, that's the number one driver anyway of every presidential election. And right. last week, I was talking about on the 10th uh, anniversary of Katrina, what to me the big lesson was to be learned. And to me, the lesson was I saw uh, New Orleans has always been kind of a microcosm of Marxism here in America because you have an entire race, if not group of people under that system to where everything supposedly they were sold a bill of goods. It was like a little mini, you know, um, Cuba down there, you know, low cost housing projects. Everything was supposedly provided for them. And look at the end result. That's why you ended up seeing people so dependent on the government. They couldn't think for themselves. That's why you, why you saw them sitting outside, you know, the Superdome tortured like they were. Um, articles are continuing to come out now after Katrina talking about the economics of, of New Orleans and the rebuilding of it. And here's some stats involving Katrina. $135 billion in damage, 80% underwater. Here's some of the economics pre-Katrina. By the mid-80s, you only had one in eight workers. Uh, one in eight workers were unemployed. In 1989, the average medium income was only 27000 The poverty rate was two times the national average. Wow. Yeah, so New Orleans has been, it's like I was saying last week, they have been a disaster economically before Katrina. They're struggling to come back from Katrina because you've got the same population. Ninety percent of, of New Orleans residents have come back. So you have pretty much almost the same group of people that were there before Katrina. And they're still uneducated. They're still unskilled people down there. In fact, you've got some industries that have tried to come in. You had a French game maker that came in to set up shop. But they, three, they had to hire three-fourths of their employees out of state. Because there's nobody down there with any skills. GE opened up a new tech center of of 230 employees. They had to get half from another state. What we see going on down there in New Orleans and the economics, what made it such a poor state beforehand, what led to everything that happened in Katrina was liberalism in action. And the reason why they've struggled to recover 
um, beyond the hospitality of what was down there to begin with in, in the French Quarter and what's, you know, come back, restaurants and hotels, the reason why they've struggled is because of liberalism, because you've got the same people down there that have suffered under liberalism for a long time. And on top of it, we've got a national economic scene that's dismal. You know, we don't have an educated America, at least not of the skill set that we need. And in part, Alicia, it's because we don't have industry. We don't have manufacturing anymore in America like we did. So we absolutely need a, a, a businessman or a non-establishment type. Even Carson, I would trust more to come in because he could come in with a fresh set of eyes and a brain to look at the situation with some common sense and say, we need to, to, to get America back on track economically. And, and Trump says, when we get to $24 trillion in debt, we're done as a nation. Right. And we're, and we're going there very rapidly. I think we're at over $19 trillion right now. I mean, the, the amount of national debt that we have is terrifying. It's, our, our economy can collapse under it in the same way that the Greek economy has collapsed. I mean, we, we are not immune to the basic laws of economics. Right. And, and, but what, something else that I wanted to point out, though, in terms of New Orleans that I failed to mention last, last week is, in terms of post-Katrina, some of the things that affected the economics down there in New Orleans in terms of their recovery is they had more hurricanes that came about right out on the heels of Katrina in the form of Rita, but they also had the BP oil spill. How come nobody's talking about that, Alicia? Do you remember that? Do you remember oh, how I BP? Remember that. Yeah, oil, <laughs> I brought oil, it up the other day. Yeah, yeah. oil pumped you know, and, and pumped. Cleaning up. Yeah, well, they pumped and pumped and pumped and spilled and spilled and spilled. It was ten days before Obama even even went and paid a visit down there. Ten days. He intentionally, intentionally let that go on and on and on, and that did more damage economically down there in some ways than Katrina did. P and J oysters, a hundred and something years that business was was operating in Louisiana and it went under. It survived Katrina, but it went under under the BP oil spill. And the reason was is because he's anti oil and he wanted to push climate change and he wanted to push for alternative energies. And so he allowed the Gulf Coast down there and he allowed entire industries and entire wildlife areas to be destroyed to push for politics. And that has been a story that nobody has talked about and what but he mentioned it when he talked Talked about going to Alaska and um, going to McKinley and talking about oh we got to we got to we can't be drilling up here because look at what happened with the BP oil spill. Well, I remember what happened to the BP oil spill, and so does James Carville. Do you remember he went on Good Morning America and said, "Obama, you got to get down here, man. We are dying down here." Yeah. So he yeah, intentionally. Well, I mean, it's, it's because of the EPA that that BP went out so deep and was doing the experimental drilling in the first place. So, I mean, we, the, our government set them up into a dangerous situation to begin with. Yeah. And then so then after that, look, there, so many people were completely on. T- you take Katrina, then you add BP, the BP oil spill on top of it, which put people out of work and put people and put businesses out. And it basically crippled. Louisiana, and nobody's talking about that. Everybody wants to blame Bush for Katrina. Nobody wants to talk about B, the, the BP oil spill and what that did to Louisiana and how many jobs did it cost. And then after the BP oil spill, he refused to sign for permits. Even uh, Mary Landrieu was busting him on the fact that we needed to get people back to work. We had people that 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 had oil rig jobs that couldn't even that couldn't even work. So I had to rant about the BP oil spill because that's been a huge factor in the recovery. And what happened after Katrina and shame on the Republican Party for not busting him on it. Who's been talking about it? 
Nobody had. No, they- no, obviously, nobody has. And, you know, I, I, I still think it's – I thought it was bizarre at the time, of Katrina, and I still think it's bizarre that that President Bush is being blamed for a hurricane. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, yeah, like he was supposed to be sitting in the White House going, gee, we got a Category 5 out, out in the Gulf. What am I going to do? Like he's supposed to be sitting there coming <laughs> up with like an evacuation plan. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody blamed President Obama for that big storm. Was it Sandy or whatever that took out, you know, huge parts of the East Coast and, you know, caused massive damage there. I mean, because it's ridiculous to blame a human being for a natural disaster, you know. Or to to blame a sitting president for a recovery plan or an evacuation plan. That's not the president's job, nor is it actually FEMA's job to come up with it. You know whose job it is? The local authorities are supposed to come up with an evacuation plan. And that was all Democrats. And the Republicans are always so stupid that they always play catch up. They always play defense and they always allow everybody to craft a narrative that's against them. And they don't care because they're thinking as long as they continue to get reelected in their local districts, they don't care. You know, you know, that's that's the end of it there. So, you know, it's shocking to me that the Republican Party is not sitting around right now on the 10th anniversary of Katrina and saying, you know, don't be talking about Bush. Let's let's talk about Landrew. Let's talk about, you know, um, Blanco. Let's talk about Negan, who's in jail now. Look at what Negan's in jail. Nobody's even talking about that. That he was the mayor of New Orleans right. when it happened down there. And the Republican Party is not talking about the BP oil spill. They're not talking about um, the the hurricanes that happened after Katrina. You, if you went down to New Orleans two years after that, the entire southern part of the state was under a tarp because of so many storms, and it was a complete. The entire state was a disaster, and the and the Democrats were were in charge, and they're not doing anything about it. We only have a few minutes left. Um, I got to talk about the NFL. I know you're not a huge fan of that. Are, are you a fan um, of it? I do fantasy football. <gasps> you do? I do. Yay! I started two years ago, and last yeah, my, year I won it. You did? I was the only girl in the league. So. Wow. Yeah. It's a good thing we brought Aubrey in. My staff was talking about fantasy football this morning, and I just I had nothing to add. Well, you know, I don't do fantasy football. I mean, My fantasy is just to hope that my Saints are going to make it back to a Super Bowl this year. Oh, and then my number two team, the Chargers. You yeah, yeah. So um, the first actual regular season game is Thursday, November 10th, and that is the Steelers. What did I say? Oh. Uh, <laughs> September 10th. That's just coming up in about, a what, a week and a half. A week and a half. Oh. That's the Steelers versus the Pats. And, um, you know, I've got a good friend of mine who's a Steelers fan. But I'm I'm actually going to be rooting for the Pats on that one. Have you done your fantasy? It's team? tomorrow night, my draft. Yeah? So, Who yeah. are you looking at? You know what? I haven't even looked at it yet. But Dolphins defense because that's my favorite team. How did you become a Dolphins fan? Um, growing up, my dad, he loved the Dolphins. He loved Dan Marino. And uh-huh. um, I was just daddy's girl on board with him and yeah. loving the Dolphins. So. What are your thoughts on the Saints? Uh, I don't really have much thoughts on the Saints. Well, <laughs> Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush. I went to school with him. You did. Him. So um, I love him, and you, you love know, him in spite he, of what he did I, when he was at I USC. Do, Come do. on, girl. Yeah, I still do. He was a really great person. He was a really great, honest person at school. So well, he's not um, hard to look at. I'll give him that. He's too. on the Forty ers now. <laughs> he's on the he Niners is, now. Is, oh, now. shut up! Is he yeah. really? You know what? I actually miss him on the Saints. I was sorry to see him yeah. on the Saints. Yeah. Hmm. Well, but I'm Other not. That, yeah, well, and I'm. I don't know how I'm going to handle seeing Jimmy Graham in a Seattle 
uniform this year. That just doesn't make sense. That's just wrong all the way around, Todd. I agree. Yeah, how are our Chargers looking? Oh, well, you know, a lot of people are picking them to do really good this year. We've got a young running back who's going to take a little pressure off Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think we'll do good. We got rid of that other knucklehead running back, right? Ryan Matthews. Matthews yeah, he's over at Philadelphia. He's a running oh, back behind DeMarco Murray. Who's uh, oh DeMarco Murray? That's who's quarterbacking. No, no, he's he's a running back. He's the starting running. He left. He was the number one running back last year, and he left the Cowboys for the Eagles. Oh, okay. I was going to say, what do you? Okay. Well, who's quarterbacking for the Eagles this year? I believe it's Falk, Nick Falk, I think. Oh, Falk. Okay, he did. He did. He didn't do too bad last year. So, all right. I've not been paying. I don't pay attention to preseason. It doesn't really matter to me. So, don't even be messaging me on Facebook about how my Saints lost this past weekend. I don't even want to hear it. Okay. All I care about is regular season, and I'm predicting that my Saints are going to do good this season. That's all that matters to me. And you know what else matters? I'm sorry, to me? It's Sam Bradford is the Eagles quarterback. Okay. I, and I, and Tim Tebow's over there. Yeah. Tebow? He's back? Yeah, he might end up being like the second string quarterback for them. Oh, I love Tebow. <laughs> All right, good for him. Good for him. All right, Alicia, anything in, uh, you want to leave with? We got about 30 seconds left. Anything you want to leave with? Um, well, <laughs> not on the NFL because we know you don't know nothing about the NFL. No. I, I got to tell you, a couple months ago, you asked me if Hillary was going to be the nominee. And I said, I just had this gut feeling that she wasn't going to be, even though I had no logical basis for that. So I'm really hoping that was a premonition. All right. Well, we're going to hold you that. You heard it here. Alicia predicted Hillary will not be the nominee. And I predict, though, that we will be right back next Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific time right here on AM 1170. Aubrey, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thank you, Todd. Thank you, Alicia. Monday night, 8 p.m. right here on AM 1170. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.